There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. DMV Download, the new daily podcast from WTOP News, is out now. Hosts Megan Clorty and Luke Garrett get the story behind the story. Every weekday afternoon, Megan and I will go beyond the headlines with WTOP reporters and sources to bring you more on the biggest local stories impacting you, our fellow Washingtonians. The DMV Download podcast is available now on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe today so you don't miss an episode. The DMV Download podcast is presented by Steamfitters Local 602. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Jeff Goldblum performs a live jazz concert tonight at Strathmore in North Bethesda, Maryland. I spoke to the Hollywood icon about his journey from The Fly to Jurassic Park to Independence Day. Hello. I'm so excited. Where are you, Jason? There you are. Hey. I see you. I like that little ivy plant that you've still treated very well and you've got it going that's a real plant isn't it that's all my wife that's ashley right there so <laughs> yeah yeah done a good job and what's that so woof what's that woof uh sign behind you that's our beautiful little uh black lab liberty <laughs> i'm glad i asked a black lab i used to have a black lab named buddy i now have uh we now have woody uh who's a uh, a red-haired standard poodle Oh, well, there you go. I appreciate you pointing out the background stuff, but I don't even know if our listeners will see it, but well, <laughs> I'm, they glad know about it. I'm glad you noticed. <laughs> they should know about it and how handsome you are. And even beneath that, that dark uh, virile stubble, I see, don't you have a cleft in your chin like Kirk Douglas and Cary Grant? Right there. Yeah. Wow. You're comparing me to two of the greats right there. <laughs> well, you, you, you uh, should be up there on the Mount Rushmore of uh, virility in my humble opinion. The cleft chins Rushmore. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe so. I'll give you a doctor's note that says as much. Oh, I appreciate it, I appreciate it. Well, after that rousing introduction, we gotta tell everyone what we're here talking about. Uh, Jeff Goldblum, the great, is coming to Strathmore tonight in North Bethesda at 8 p.m. Um, and uh, it's a jazz concert. So not only is he the movie star you know and love, but a acclaimed, accomplished jazz pianist. So tell me about your, your group, the Mildred Snitzer Orchestra. How, how long has that been around? You know, here's the story, about 30 years is the hard fact of the matter. Uh, we've been playing out and about. I have been with a, a core group that's evolved. Uh, and when we played Hollywood Bowl some couple of decades ago, we didn't have a name yet. And it was for the Playboy Jazz Festival. And they said, what do you, we gotta put something on the program. 
And I remembered this lady from Pittsburgh, a friend of ours named Mildred Snitzer. And there are only five of us, you know, uh, pretty much all this time. But I said, well, let's call it an orchestra. And so that was our name. It was kind of funny to me. And it stuck. And so we're still the Mildred Snitzer Orchestra. But I'll tell you, the guys I'm playing with now, several of them for the last 10 years, are some of the best jazz musicians in the world. And, um, and if you come to the Strathmore tonight, do you know that uh, place? Oh, it's beautiful. Have you been there? No, we have not. This is our first time at that place and in this area. So I'm, I know a little bit about it, but I haven't been there. I, I, I can't wait. I think it's going to be great. So when you come there tonight, you'll hear some jazz, you know, 50s, 60s, blue note kind of stuff. We play some Thelonious Monk and Herbie Hancock, that kind of stuff. And there's some singing involved. But I kind of keep it loose and we play games with the audience. And there's uh, questions and answers and trivia and all manner of movie talk and anything the audience <laughs> wants to know about. I'm particularly interested always in who shows up and what what they are up to what do you think of that uh, i love it and um, if you, you just said you'd never been there i'm telling you when you walk in like I, the first time i went in there i was expecting it to be grand but it exceeded even those expectations it, the way they've designed it is unbelievable you're gonna have a blast no um Great. yeah oh yeah oh yeah so wait what are, so what, well i don't want you to burn the whole set list uh leave something up the imagination but like give us a, give us a few we're playing some standards like straighten up and fly right come on how do I say it? Come on to my house. Come on to my house. Yeah, that was on the first <laughs> album. And uh, I don't want to give anything away, but we don't do that one. You may hear Straighten Up and Fly Right, which was a Nat King Cole hit, I believe, back in the days. But I love the way we, we're doing it these days. Oh, we start with something by Charles Mingus, I think. You know, that... Uh, spectacular bass player that has something to do. I'll just give you a clue. I'm not going to give it away. Uh, the title has something to do with New York City and a place where I've done some Broadway shows and my reminiscences about such, a, such an event. There's that. And well, Herbie Hancock, yes, yes, there's something by him. Uh, <laughs> we may do, ooh, there's a Hank Mobley tune that will take us to a divine place, I believe. You know, those are just some of the ideas. And then there's something that um, was sung on our second album by Fiona Apple uh, um, that I, I love particularly. And there's one that Miley Cyrus sang on our second album that's, I think, particularly delicious. You know, stuff like that, but there's plenty of improvisation within all those songs and, uh, and, uh, and surprises for me and for the audience. That's going to be great. Now, I'm, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are curious. How did you get into playing, you know, piano in the first place? Was it piano lessons as a kid? Uh, you grew up like out just outside of Pittsburgh, right? That's but, right. Uh, a place called West Homestead. There were four of us kids. My dad was a doctor, but my mom and my dad always had a, uh, you know, a, a yen for the arts of one kind or another. They gave all us kids uh, music lessons. Uh, <laughs> I started to play piano. And when after a year or so, my teacher gave me an arrangement of some jazzy number that just was in me to just adore. That's when I sat down and really started to play. And then before I left Pittsburgh, when I was 15, I started to call up cocktail lounges and I got a gig or two playing around just because I thought that would be neat. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, at the time, I'd already had my heart set on an acting career, which I then pursued and have been, as you may know lucky enough to have you know wait kept, you're an actor you've acted sometimes i am and i I've, I've been able to keep at it but all this time i've kept a piano by my side and 
put some piano in some parts and some movies and plays. And then about 30 years ago, started to play out and about with a band and just, uh, you know, just for fun. And it's kind of evolved into this. It's uh, one of the thrills of my of my life. I absolutely love it. Well, tell, take me into really quick that that when you you said 15, you were playing jazz and playing around. Um, but take me into the decision. That, what is it around 17? You moved to New York and you said you're going to try to do the actor thing, at least primarily neighborhood playhouse training, uh, Broadway debut and two gentlemen of Verona. Tell me, take me into that shift and say, I'm going to try acting for a while. Here's what happened. It wasn't even just for a while. I don't know why I was crazy <laughs> enough to just make this commitment to a lifelong, <laughs> what turned out to be, luckily enough, a lifelong uh, marriage to acting. And it started when I was, I don't know, 10. I used to go see plays, children's theater around Pittsburgh, and I was wildly excited then. I had a, a camp experience in the summer around fifth grade where I was in a drama thing and they put me gave me a part in this show and my dad who had said if you find something you really love doing that might be a key to your vocational choice and it was on that night I remember that I went to myself hmm I think maybe that's it I want to be an actor but I didn't yes. tell anybody it was a secret I used to have a shower every morning we had a glass shower door and the, it used to steam up and I would put please God let me be an actor uh, and then I'd wipe it off so nobody could see it <laughs> And then around 10th, 11th grade, I went to uh, summer sessions to Carnegie Mellon University, who had real actors and teachers, you know, uh, and by that time I was just obsessed with it. So, so by the time college came around, I just found myself attracted to and luckily winding up in New York with Sandy Meisner at the Neighborhood Playhouse. And that was it, started to study with that good teacher and fell into a Broadway show, like you say, and then quickly movies. And it all has kind of kept up since then, believe it or not. Stay tuned for the rest of my conversation with Jeff Goldblum, but first a message from a fellow WTOP podcast. DMV Download, the new daily podcast from WTOP News is out now. Hosts Megan Clorty and Luke Garrett get the story behind the story. Every weekday afternoon, Megan and I will go beyond the headlines with WTOP reporters and sources to bring you more on the biggest local stories impacting you, our fellow Washingtonians. The DMV Download podcast is available now on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe today so you don't miss an episode. The DMV Download podcast is presented by Steamfitters Local 602. Welcome back to Beyond the Fame for the rest of today's conversation with Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, tell me about the real quick those early roles like like uh, you were doing a lot with a little like Nashville, the tricycle man, you know, not really saying much, but just connecting storylines or, or an Annie Hall. I forgot my mantra at the party. Like what were, in those early days, um, well, A, were you just happy to be part of such big movies, big directors at the time? But B, what, what do you say? Like, there's not much on the page, but I'm going to I'm going to make an impact. <laughs> well, I was so, you know, with this belly full of passion and wonderment and uh kind of creative ambition that I had from before I even went to New York. And then with this teaching that I, you know, got from Sandy Meisner, I was uh, kind of inflamed. Uh, so when I got anything, yes, I was like, what can I do with this? I have a feeling that the sky is the limit and how can I apply myself to this? And yes, I was just lucky or whatever you call it. Cause 
you can't be good unless a director makes a good movie. And to be in Nashville with Robert Altman, oh, uh, just to do this little part, it allows you to be, you know, um, do something distinctive uh, and learn some more. And with the several of those, I worked with Paul Mazursky early on, if you know him. And yeah. and that's that's what happened. And still, I find myself lucky now to be be uh, uh, coming up in my fourth Wes Anderson movie. Yeah. I have a little thing in that coming up and I had a great creative time doing that. And then in this next uh, dinosaur movie, this Jurassic yeah. World Dominion, it's called coming out June 10th, <laughs> that Steven Spielberg still a lot to do with Colin Trevorrow directed wrote directed this one along with Emily yeah. Carmichael uh, did the script uh, with uh, the original cast um, yeah. grafted on to the current cast Laura Dern and Sam Neill and Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt so I'm just still lucky to be doing things that excite me that I can learn from and that I think people may have some interest in Oh, absolutely. Well, you you mentioned the the Jurassic Park. You know, Ian was was just an iconic character. You taught us all that life finds a way. You know, even if it's all you know, lady dinosaurs, they'll still procreate. Did you notice? I noticed when like the twentieth time I watched it that Spielberg has Dr. Grant. Remember, in the dro dropping in the helicopters, he ties two female ends of the seatbelt together. Life finds a way with female seatbelts. <laughs> I never until this very moment. With your spectacular brain and Sherlock Holmesian eye, I never realized that that might be a subliminal thematic uh, Easter egg of something to come. Uh, you may or may not be right. I'll ask Mr. Spielberg if that was on his mind. I, I thought all this time that it was just a kind of way to show Sam Neill's character as a guy who was right. a little bit behind the current technology, but somehow used an out-of-the-box way of thinking to solve things, which is yeah. going to come to fruition. But maybe it has something else to do with this uh, molecular uh, phenomenon. Yeah, see, you're accomplishing more than one thing at once. It's, it's either right or it's one big pile of crap. <laughs> hey i know we're running out of time but i have to ask you about the fly be afraid be very afraid how fun was it playing that mad scientist uh you know cronenberg body horror i mean that's a classic well uh, thank you so much it was fun and uh and just delicious to me because like i say when we've talked about it before directors are the key in my humble opinion and david cronenberg is uh, one of our finest and bravest artists and most unique and original people. I loved it. And that that was him at his peak. I loved that part. I'd seen Vincent Price in the 50s, a kind <laughs> of a very different variation of that. And I, I loved it. I, I, I you know, it, it really challenged. I thought it was something to chew on and I worked hard on it and it turned out well. I'm proud of it. Yeah, I loved it. And final seconds, Independence Day. I'm not going to ask you about the Will Smith slap. Forget all that. That's too much. That's too much drama for lately. But just memories of that movie. And you know, forget about the fat lady. You're obsessed with the fat lady. <laughs> Trying to get out of the alien ship. Uh, just what's it like? Uh, you're, you're playing someone warning humanity. There's been a lot of that going on lately. <laughs> well, how about that? Yes, that is a kind of a thread of something similar, even in the Jurassic Park movie. Yes, the world is facing all together uh, something uh, dire. And in order to solve it, we all have to come together. That turned out to be, uh, you know, one of the elements in that story and in this upcoming Jurassic and in our real lives. So uh, from, from our 
mouths to uh, the, the ear of destiny. I hope uh, we all come out okay. All right. Well, tonight our ear of destiny will be tuned into your jazz pianist uh, jazz concert at the Strathmore at North Bethesda, 8 p.m. You know, it's, it's like literally a couple hours away, folks. So go on there on Strathmore's website and get your tickets now. Jeff Goldblum, this was an honor. Thanks so much. It's a greater honor for me. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. I'll see you all tonight. All right. Sounds good. Take care. Take care. And before we run, here's my brief red carpet encounter with Goldblum at the 2016 Kennedy Center Honors, where he showed up to honor Al Pacino. Do you have a favorite Al Pacino role or line? Um, I love The Godfathers, of course. <laughs> and he says, uh, it's, not, it's not personal, Sonny. It's business. Strictly, strictly business. <laughs> He's a unique person and wildly talented, deeply serious and uh, high integrity about uh, his... Uh, his pursuit of uh, excellence, you know, uh, he works very hard, and he's uh, and he's just a beautiful actor. Thank if you uh, Michael Corleone went to the mats with Tony Montana, which one would be the last man standing? Very different styles. Say hello to my little friend, <laughs> and he says, I don't know, it's a tie, it's a tie. All right, have a good day. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.